verses 9 through 14. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. On a Sabbath, Jesus was preaching, teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day? From what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated. But the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. 
Psalm 103, verses 1 through 8. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Amen. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris, for reading God's Word this morning and allowing it to touch you, and it touched us as well. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to that last psalm, Psalm 103. That'll be our text for today that we will walk through, and we will look at uh, some of the other uh, notes from the gospel teaching as well. But um, I'm going to encourage you to have your Bibles open to Psalm uh, 103, and on the back of your bulletin, it's blank. I'm going to ask everybody to take that out. There's a pen in front of you. Uh, there will be things on the screen to write down, but there will also be things the Holy Spirit will speak to you, and you want to make sure that you write that down so that you uh, have a record of what God is speaking to your life, because opening the Word of God and talking about it is a privilege. It's a privilege to have God speak to our lives, and we are in a series called Cover to Cover, and we've been in that series for almost two years now, as Jennifer mentioned. And so if you started coming to the church within the last two years, you'll be like, is this like a, what's this cover-to-cover -cover series? And, and so I used to preach series that were sometimes a few weeks long or longer. I would take a book of the Bible and uh, teach through that or on a topic, and I would teach through that. And, um, but we really believe this about the Bible, and this is really important, that it takes the whole Bible to make a whole Christian. So it's not just parts of the Bible. It's the whole Bible. The whole Bible makes the whole Christian. And so how could we teach the whole Bible? For instance, I, I, one time I was like, okay, we're going to preach through the book of um, Romans. And that took almost two years. So I thought, even if I live to 100, we're, we're never getting through the Bible. You know, we're never getting through 66 books. Um, if I do it that way. And so as a leadership team uh, several years ago, we decided for three years to pick up the lectionary. And a lectionary is hundreds of years old. The churches use all over the place. And, and it has an Old Testament reading, New Testament reading, a gospel reading, and a psalm reading. Now, we don't read all of those in church because it would just uh, take too much time to read all of them. But we wanted to read as much as possible. So today we got three of them. They're all in your bulletin, so you can read and you can study, and, and they're there for you. But it walks through the Word of God from the beginning to the end. And, and so in December, when Advent starts, that's the first of a year for a church calendar, uh, we'll be entering the third year of that. And, and so we've been just walking through 
uh, God's Word these last three years. Who knows what will happen after that? I know the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us, and we'll open God's Word in fresh new ways. But for this moment, we are taking time to walk through the whole of Scripture. That's why we call it cover to cover. So we'll study this thing cover to cover. The reason we do that is because this book should shape who we are. Our lives need to be shaped by God's Word. Our lives shouldn't shape God's Word. God's Word should shape our lives. That's what we believe as a church. I saw this quote this week, so I put it online, and I absolutely love it. I'm going to have him put it on the screen, and I'm going to tell him just to leave it up there for a little bit longer because it's so good. It's from Elizabeth Elliot. We must quit bending the Word of God to suit our situation. It is we who must be bent to that Word. Isn't that good? We don't bend God's Word to fit our lives. We bend our lives to fit God's Word. That's what this is all about. That's why we are walking through God's Word together. That's why it's a privilege to open God's Word every weekend and talk about it together. So let's do that today. I have a question for you. Are you good at remembering names? (laughs) I didn't know people would answer out loud, so that's good. But uh, are you good at answering? Here's the thing. A true confession, I am not good at remembering names. And I feel really bad about that because I'm a pastor, (laughs) and it's part of my job, and and the way God wired my brain, I'll, I'll have to ask him when I get to heaven, because I can remember the most minute detail of trivia from a seminary class three decades ago, but I can't remember the name of the person I met five minutes ago. So it's like, God, why did you do this to me? In fact, one time I bought a memory course, have you ever seen those? A memory course so I could remember people's names, and so they teach you. To get their name, you say it three times, and then you, you, you attach something about them uh, to remember their name. And so let's say I uh, met somebody named Rhonda, and she had red hair. I'd say, redhead Rhonda, you know, just three times, redhead Rhonda. The problem is, I could remember the redhead part, but then was it, was it redhead Rhoda, or redhead Reagan, or red, I mean, it was, like, why, God? Why? That's why I love Name Tag Weekend at church. It's uh, just like, hey, I know everybody's name for one week. That's really good. Um, but I, I like Name Tag Weekend because then we know everybody's name. And um, the other thing, too, is what if on that name tag we started to put a little more information about ourselves, not just our name, but what if we started telling things about her, yourself? Like, uh, I'd say, hello, my name is Daryl. I'm um, husband to Leslie, father to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm the pastor here. I teach at Christian Life College. Uh, um, I'm a friend to here or there. You know, just so we start, and then you get to know me better because my name tag would be full of, of information about me. So it wouldn't just be my name, but it would be everything about me. And so today I want you to think of something. I want you to think of your Bibles. Just think of your Bibles 
as God's name tag. This is God's name tag. Because inside this book, he says, this is my name. And it's not just, hello, my name is God. My name is the great I am. My name is Yahweh. My name is, I'm the God that heals you. I'm the God who delivers you. I'm the God who rescues you from the pit. I'm the God who provides for you. I'm the God of peace. I'm the God of joy. I'm the God of provision. I mean, you could go on. I'm the God of victory. I'm, I'm, you know, this is God just giving us in his book, this is his name tag for you, telling you who he is. And there are hundreds of names and descriptions and titles for God in his word saying, this is who I am for you. I love that, don't you? I love singing the great I am today because that's the name God gave himself. I am the great I am. I am whatever you need. And so through his word, we realize how good our God is. We realize how big he is and how amazing he is. And in our psalm today, in Psalm 103, it begins with worship and thanksgiving of our powerful God. It begins in verse 1 to say, let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart I will praise His holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He does for me. I love David just renewing his mind, telling himself, commanding himself, praise the Lord, David. Praise the Lord. I need to do that to myself. I need to command myself, Daryl. Praise the Lord, Daryl. Praise the Lord with all that you are. Praise Him. Don't forget what he's done for you. Why do we praise him? He does so many things. And he goes on and he continues, says, don't forget about these things. Continuing in verse 3, he forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives me righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character in Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. Look at that last sentence up there again. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. That sentence is actually found throughout the Old Testament. In fact, it's one of the greatest reframes about God, beginning with Moses in the book of Exodus and the book of the law, but then continued through the poets and the prophets until the end. This is the sentence that keeps popping up again and again about who God is. It begins in Exodus 33 when Moses says, Lord, show me your glory. God, I've been walking with you so long and there's not much time left. Would you show me your glory. No one had seen God since Adam and Eve in the garden. And Moses says, I want to see you, God. God says, you can't look on me and live, and so I'll, I'll show you the, the back of me, but I, I can't show you all of me, but I will pass by you, Moses. And so for the first time since Adam in the garden, God passes by Moses. And when you think of how powerful that moment was, I mean, you think of what could have happened in that moment with lightning and thunder and earthquakes and all the, you know, just the power of God passing by. 
And God could be shouting at Moses as he passes by, I'm awesome. I'm all powerful. You know, you must worship me. You're nothing. I mean, God could have said anything as he's passing by Moses at that moment. But what does God say? In that moment when he gets to see God, this is how God reveals himself. This is his name tag he's wearing when he passes by Moses. These are the words of the Lord. He says, I am the Lord the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. And if you look at that passage, we see God's compassion and His grace and His love and His faithfulness and His forgiveness. This is God in His own words telling us exactly who He is, wearing His name tag, saying, I am the God who loves you. I'm the God who's compassionate, full of grace. I forgive all your sins. It's pretty powerful, isn't it, to see God that way? And to have that refrain come then in the Psalms and later among the prophets. And, and I find it interesting, and if we were really honest today, that most of the world and probably most Christians don't see God that way especially the God of the Old Testament. They don't see the God of the Old Testament as a God full of love and compassion and grace and mercy, but instead they see a very harsh picture of God. They see a God full of law, full of judgment. They see a God who has no grace, just anger, that there's punishment, and if you disobey, he will wipe you out. And so that's how a lot of people see God. And then for some crazy reason, we think, well, in the New Testament, Jesus shows up, and then he brings the love of God. So in the New Testament, God's loving, but in the Old Testament, he's kind of harsh, and it doesn't work that way because Jesus said in John 14 that when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He didn't come to do something new. He's just coming to show us who God really is. And so we see this picture of God throughout the Old Testament, and that's why we study the whole Bible to get to know God, who he really is, not who we think he is or what the world says he is, but to really know who he is. And if you look at God throughout his word from beginning to end, if you see the heart of God and look at his name tag, you'll see a lot more love than law. There's just more love than law. That's the title of this message. And there's even more love in the Old Testament. God loves his people in the Old Testament. In fact, he loves everybody because there's a cycle that started with Adam and Eve and unfortunately has lingered to this very day in our lives. But there's this cycle, and it's really a simple cycle. God draws us into relationship. That's kind of the first step. He did that with Adam and Eve, and then he just continues it on. The cycle will be on the screen. But he starts with that relationship with us, and, and then people turn their backs on God. They turn their backs on God. Maybe they rebel against God and say, okay, God, I'm going to do my own thing like Adam and Eve did. But sometimes there were people in the Old Testament, his people, that just forgot about God. They didn't outright rebel. They just forgot about God and started doing their own thing. But they turned their backs on God. And when you turn your backs on God, the next part of the cycle is consequences. Consequences follow in the Bible. And the Old Testament calls these consequences cursings. This is the curses that will come upon you when you don't obey, when you don't follow me. And it's not that God's saying, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to wipe you out, and you're so bad. No, he's just saying, when you aren't with me, 
there are going to be consequences in your life. If you're going to do life your way, you're going to reap your way. If you follow another God, you're going to reap the consequences of following that God. It's just that simple, but if you follow me, there's blessings, right? We, he, he tells us if there's blessings and there's curses, but when the consequences come, and that, they always do, right? Because eh, there's no one that you know that turned their back on God or forgot about God, and they're really doing good, right? I mean, there's no one like that. So there's always that moment where they realize, okay, I've got to repent, I've got to return to God, I've got to cry out to God, and when we cry out to God, Every single time when we cry out to God, God rescues and restores the relationship. Every time. And that's the cycle. Every single time. And then the blessings come because we're in relationship with him, but something will happen where we'll rebel or we'll forget and we'll fall away. And, but that's the cycle. That's the entire story of the Bible, right? You read through the Old Testament, that's the entire story. That's our story today. That's just the story. And notice this in the story, that the people change and the names change, but God never changes. He's always rescuing. He's always calling people to himself. He's always compassionate. He's always forgiving. The names in the story change, but God doesn't change because God is always been and has always been and will always be the God of the prodigal. Calling people to himself. Saying, I love you. I want a relationship with you. Come back to me. God always was calling people into relationship. It doesn't matter who they are. See, even in the harshest decrees of the Old Testament, in the minor prophets, you know, like Obadiah is, is talking to Edom, who's not even God's people, and he's pronouncing this terrible destruction that's coming upon them because they've turned their backs on God. But you, you, look, at, you look at that, that even these pagan people that he's pronouncing destruction on, and it is a harsh book to read. When he gets to the end, God says this, but if you humble yourselves, if you come back to me, if you repent, these aren't even people of God, but he says, if you come back to me, I'll bless you. I'll restore you. Because God always wants relationship. He wants to be close to everyone. God never changes. You're not out of bounds for God. You're not somebody different from God. God loves you. He's just looking for you to choose Him, to turn to Him, to come to Him. See, there's more love than law in the Bible. And in fact, God's goal for the law wasn't for His people just to follow a bunch of rules because we think that's what God wants, right? I got to obey him. I got to follow all the rules to be in that relationship with him, right? I gotta, I've got to conform my life to this word, but that's not what God's saying. He's not saying, look, this is the rules. You follow these rules. Everything's good because that's not the goal of the law. The goal of the law was to be in right relationship with him and right relationship with our brothers and sisters around us. You know what the goal of Old Testament laws, write this down. The goal of Old Testament law was love. The goal of Old Testament law was love. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, you look at Paul and what he wrote in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 13. In verses 9 and 10, he says, the commandments, you should not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you should not steal, you should not covet, and whatever other commands there are or may be, 
are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to the neighbor. Look at this. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love is the fulfillment of the law. That I would love God with all my heart, soul, and strength. Bless the Lord, O my soul, that I would love God. And then I wouldn't just love the God that loves me, but I would love my neighbors as God loves me. Not as I think they should be loved or they deserve to be loved, that I would just love them the same way God loves me because that's who God is and that is our calling. Our calling is to love God and love others. It's that simple and when I do that, I'm in relationship. Now, when I don't do what God has asked me to do, that's a bad place to be. Because if I don't do what God tells me to do in his word, there are consequences. There are curses that come my way. If I choose not to love and follow God or not to love my neighbor as myself, if that happens, there will be curses because God's commands are there for both our protection and for our guidance. God gave us laws for our protection and for our guidance because if we try to do things on our own, we will reap those consequences, but we want to do it his way. God didn't give us a bunch of laws just to keep us on the straight and narrow. He did it to guide us and protect us and says, this is how you love me. This is how you love others. So if I do those things, I'm in a good spot in life. I am reaping the benefits and the blessings of knowing God and being in relationship with him. I am experiencing the fullness of his grace, the fullness of his love and his joy and his peace, and that's what I want. Now, we live in a new covenant. We don't live in the Old Testament covenant. We live in a new covenant. The Bible tells us in Hebrews it's a better covenant. So what happens in the new covenant when it comes to these rules? Well, we still shape our life according to what God says in his word, but we are guided by love. It's the same principles, maybe a little different look, but it's basically the same thing. And what I love in our, our gospel reading this week from Luke chapter 13, it, it talks about Jesus healing the woman that's bent over. She comes in the temple, and, and she's bent over on the Sabbath, and, and Jesus uh, pronounces that she's free, that she's healed, that she's whole. And what's interesting about Jesus' language, this happens a lot in the Gospel of Luke, actually, is he actually uses past tense. He says, you're freed. You're already freed. While she's still bent over, he's proclaiming free. He's proclaiming the kingdom. That's what Jesus does in the Gospel of Luke. He says, you're already healed. And, and, and so if you ever watch T.D. Jakes, he has a, a sermon in a book, Woman, Thou Art Loosed. That's where it comes from here. She's already loosed. She's already healed. And so he just proclaims that, woman, you are healed. And so she stands up straight on the Sabbath. Jesus broke the rules on the Sabbath. Why did he do? Because he loved her so much. And he wanted to help her. God wanted to help her that day. He wanted to restore what the enemy had stolen from her. This, this, this oppression, this spirit that was keeping her hunched over is now gone, and the healing happens. And so there, we see in Jesus there's more love than law, and everyone should have been rejoicing when she stood up straight, but they weren't. They were criticizing Jesus. Why would you do that on the Sabbath? You know, she could come here tomorrow and then you could do it. You want to know why? Because they were so interested in following the rules. 
that they missed the love relationship. They missed God at work. They were, they were so concerned about, okay, i got to get this just right and this just right. That's not about a relationship. Well, if I do this just right, then my spouse will love me. Or if I just do this right, then my, my, my parents will love me. If I just do this right, then my boss will like me. It's, that's a horrible way to live. And so as I was reading this passage this week, preparing for the message, I, I really, I wasn't angry with the Pharisees. I really felt sorry for them because they really thought that following the rules would make them right with God, that they really thought if I do everything just right, then God will love me. They were trying so hard to get God's love. And I, and I liken it to, and I asked Leanne what, what key the, the song, Great Are You, Lord, because I just loved singing that, and we're going to sing it at the end as we worship the Lord. I asked her what key it was in, and it's in the key of C. And so I can imagine the Pharisees just like, okay, the key of C. So we need to play the C chord. So that would be, oh, that's, yeah. You hear that, God? Okay, and we're going to do C scale. Wow, God. That didn't sound like the song, did it? that we sang. They were so worried about playing just the right notes, just the right key, just the right chords, just, I gotta do it just right, that they missed the beauty of the song. They missed the melody. They missed the harmonies. They missed the love. They missed it all. They, were, they wanted to be such good chord players and scale players that they never played a song. They were just trying to follow the rules. And when you're just doing that, it's all about you. I got to do it just right. David, who didn't get everything just right in his life, what does he do? He says, David, I want you to remember, great is the Lord. Not great are you, David. Not are you a good core player, but go back to our psalm, Psalm 103, let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he's done for me. It's not about me. It's about him. It's about, God, you've done all these good things for me. That's why we go to his word. That's why we put it in our hearts so that we won't sin against him. So we'll be in that relationship with him. We begin with worship and thanksgiving and it keeps us in relationship and, and we tell ourselves praise the Lord with all that I am don't forget God don't forget all the good things that he's doing for me don't forget those things guard your heart enjoy God's love enjoy his benefits enjoy his blessing because listen life is hard and difficult times will come and a crisis will hit you and a test will take you down and you'll have these things happen and listen if you're walking with God in that relationship all of a sudden those things don't matter as much because if you face a crisis on your own, it could take you out. You don't want to be running on empty. You want to be in worship and praise and thanksgiving. In our devotional this last week, I can't remember what day it was. I, I, I just loved it though because it gave this illustration of a locomotive that a locomotive that's at rest, it's stopped, not moving. All it takes is two six-inch blocks to keep that train from moving forward. Just two six-inch blocks keeps that train from going forward at a stop. 
But that same locomotive, with a full head of steam, can bust through a six-foot wall. And what we need to do in our relationship with God is be worshiping, thanksgiving. Okay, Lord, great is the Lord. Remind myself how good God is. Just keep walking in that worship and that thanksgiving, worship and thanksgiving, worship and thanksgiving, worship and thanksgiving. And then when, I, when that test comes, boom, right through. Because I'm in relationship with God. I don't forget what he is for me. Not that real life doesn't happen, but I just remember who he is. And so here's the last thing to write down. What this psalm teaches us, what we're learning today, worship and thanksgiving keeps our relationship with God strong and his blessings active. That's good, isn't it? That worship and thanksgiving keeps our relationship with God strong and his blessings active. Is that on the screen? I don't know if it is or not. Try it one more time. Worship and thanksgiving keeps our relationship with God strong and his blessings active. It magically appeared. There we go. Remember that, because it's simple. That's all God wants is a relationship. The names change, but God never does. He says, I love you. I want to be in relationship with you. God will do whatever it takes to make it happen. He did whatever it took to make it happen. He went to the cross. He loved you that much. Dead on the cross for your sin, so that you can be forgiven of your sin, that your sin wouldn't separate you from him, wouldn't keep you from enjoying him forever. He, he died for your sin, and so he made the way. Now it's up to you. It's your choice. Choose God. Choose worship. Choose thanksgiving. Choose love. Choose relationship. Choose him today. Amen? Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me? God, we want to get all of your word inside of us, God, because we want to know you. We want to know you. We don't want to forget about you, God. We don't want to forget your name. God, thank you for your word that is your name tag that just tells us who you are and you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you're not harsh, but you are mighty. You don't want to wipe us out. You want to bless us. God, thank you for the compassion that you have on us as, as just weak human beings, God, that you're always calling us back to bless your name. God, you don't need us, but for some reason you want us to bless your name. You want us to be in relationship with you. And so, God, we, we just love that you've chose us to be your sons and your daughters. And, and today, God, in this moment, we choose you. We choose, as David did, to worship you to thank you, to remember you. So Lord, as long as you give us breath, we will sing, how great is our Lord. Would you stand with me this morning?